You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. This uh, episode is from all the way back in May. As I mentioned in last week's intros, uh, that I've had a whole bunch of content that I sort of had to shelve to get out all of my heavy Montreal interviews. I wanted to uh, get those out right away because I was so excited to be invited to the fest, and I wanted to share those interviews immediately right after the festival. So here's my chat that I had back in May, Vox and Hops, episode number 67. I am with Carlos Deanda, the vocalist of Glory Hole Guillotine. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Today, we are in Berlin, and I'm with Carlos. What's your last name, Carlos? Uh, Deanda. Carlos Deanda. Yeah. And we were at uh, a great little craft beer bar called Protocol, and uh, I was happy to find it. Uh, you know, you come to Germany, and you expect just to drink Pilsners and lagers, and not find something beautiful like we just found right here. This is a, a double New England IPA. Let's smell it and see what she's got. It smells beautiful, fruity, tropical. Yeah. It is, uh, it is a, a, actually a Russian brewery called uh, Zengovor, and this is their Berlin edition. It's called the Blast Beat. It's yeah. a New England IPA. We had to get it. Cheers. Yeah, very fitting. Cheers. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's really smooth. It's uh, got the nice hazy color. It's not milky though. It's like still like um, like straw colored. I would give it. It smells really sweet, tropical, um, almost like, and it tastes like pineapple. Like yeah, a lot, a lot yeah. of pineapple. Yeah, very sweet. Tell people uh, who is Carlos. What do you do? Why are we here together? Oh, I um, I do vocals in uh, Glory Hole Guillotine. <laughs> Let's 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 cover that. Let's get that out of the out of yeah, the way. Get that out of the way. So yeah, we're opening up for you guys. You know, this two week run. The the package so far has been fucking awesome. Super cool. Honor to it's an honor to be able to do this. How did how did uh, the name? Because I set up a lot of the internet stuff for Cryptopsy, and I was writing this band name over and over again. Yeah. Glory Hole Guillotine. Yeah. Where, where did this idea come from, uh, and how did it come about? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, one night, you know, hanging out with my buddies, uh, you know, Jeff and Tyler, they play guitar and bass. So um, I'm the only one that drinks, and I was, you know, a little drunk shooting out, you know, joke band names like Meth Mouth or fucking uh, Blood blood Blister. It was like Blissful Blood Blister. It was all like alliteration like that. Pretty much just going down the line. And uh, when we got to G, I was, I don't know, Glory Hole Guillotine just right off the top of my head. Then, um, you know, I never thought anything of it. It was just a drunken joke. And, you know, a few months later, they Jeffrey had actually started to teach himself guitar and wanted to do a project that was more like a glorophobic nosebleed, you know, grindy, quick, fast. And he and Tyler wrote a song and they recorded it and asked me if they could use my name and if I wanted to do vocals for it. And that's pretty much how the band started. Had you ever wanted to be in a band before that? It was always interesting to me. I mean, I, I've always loved music. Um, I never thought I would be a vocalist I mean I would never go more than you know just singing in my car by myself on the way to work but yeah I uh, took that on and I feel like it was the right choice 
because now here we are in Berlin. That's right. And this is your second European tour. The first time you were out here with Cattle Decapitation, Broken Hope. Uh, Hideous Divinity. That's right. Now, shout yeah. out to the Italian boys. Yeah, love those guys. Yeah, this is the second time. Uh, the first. How, how does this tour field compare to the other one? Is there a difference? Um, yeah. The, mainly because I was doing merch for two bands, Broken Hope and my band. Um, so that was a lot. It was also the first time in Europe, so a lot of nervousness there. I feel like I had to, as soon as we landed, I had to hit the ground running, really, because it was, uh, it was a lot, you know, counting all the merch, selling, running up on stage, trying to get the crowd hype, running off stage, doing more merch for two bands. Um, so I, I also didn't really have time to explore or do it much, you know, kind of like I would set up, it would take me like all day. Um, yeah, and then by the time I was done setting up merch, doors would be open and I'd be stuck. <laughs> I'd have to send one of my guys out to get it. It is, it is one of the worst worst things the first day of a tour. You get that shipment, you got to count yeah. it all, get it all sorted, organized, uh, stuff that people uh, don't, you know, do shows at our level might comprehend. Uh, it's, it's, it's always a shitty first day. You're tired, you're jet lagged. Yeah. Do you miss selling merch for bands or is it something you enjoyed? Um, I liked it. I mean, that's where... Everyone goes, you know, right after the bands play. So it's cool. You get to meet a lot of people, um, get to, like, hook up, like, fans with the band you're working for, too. So it's like, oh, man, I've been waiting, you know, fucking years to see Broken Hope. I'm like, you know, I finally made it out. Can you, Do you think you can hook it up and, like, get them to sign my cassette or, you know, old vintage shirt? It's like, for sure, let me just get them over here. So that's always good to see, like, the expression on their face, I guess. You know. So you mentioned that you, it was a thought in the back of your mind to be in a band. I know this because we've spoken on the bus throughout the nights there. You started out selling merch for Broken Hope in America. Yep, we did. Um, and you were not doing any vocals at this time. Nope. You were not in a band. Nope. This was like your first exposure to what being a, a band on the road is like. Yeah, yeah. Is so that when you got the taste and wanted to be in a band? Oh, yeah. I was pretty much just like, I, I want to be a roadie for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, this is awesome. Just fucking metal all the time and like traveling, seeing new cities. I was like 19, I think, like right out of high school. Uh, Jeremy was really hesitant. The guitarist Broken Hope, he was really hesitant because he's like, well, you've never done this before and you're just some punk out of high school. But yeah, I'm glad he gave me the shot. And now we're like really close friends. You know, he's even invi invited me over to like his house. Just, hey, Game of Thrones is on this Sunday. Come over and watch it with, with me and my wife. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Shout That's out cool. to Jeremy. I'd love to have you on the podcast one day. Oh, yeah. yeah Got a lot, a lot to talk about, but I'd like to ask you. Yeah, he'd be happy to. Let's go to into, that, like, you as a kid. What kind of a kid were you growing up in your house? Was there music playing? Oh, yeah. I was definitely the class clown um, in school. Growing up, I was a rambunctious young lad, you know? I like to break stuff. Um, very aggressive. So I guess it kind of makes sense. I ended up doing vocals. Oh man, that's such a good beer. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, there's footage of me actually as a little kid uh, with a hair, hairbrush just singing, running around, maybe like three years old, uh, singing stuff off the TV. Um, my household though, since I'm Mexican, it was like nothing but mariachi music. Uh, my dad's super into like 80s pop, you know, so it was never anything heavy. I kind of had to discover the heaviness all on my own. What would have been that first, you know, band that you heard? You were like, what is this? I'm a bit afraid of it, but I like it. Oh, man. Definitely Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. <laughs> I just picked it up. I, I literally just went to the 
to the store. I had gotten a CD player, the little portable ones, um, as a gift. Uh, I don't even remember what birthday it was, but I got a CD player, and I was like, well, I don't even have any CDs, so I need to go buy CDs. All I had was like Bon Jovi, his greatest hits from my dad, you know, and like Chicago. Um, what else? Ario Speedwagon, too. Fucking love Ario Speedwagon. Um, so I went, and I just went through all the genres and I, the only one I bought that day I think was that one and my, my younger brother he bought a fuck it was a, it was like a ludicrous CD really <laughs> yeah so, so what, what made you gravitate CD. towards that CD it was just the cover the cover and the fact that it said like metal rock in that section and like everything else looked evil but that one was just like a soldier with like butterfly wings graffiti so I don't know. I fucking picked it up. I, I exclusively only listened to that album for like months. What was your favorite song? What, what did you like? Did you like the rap part of it? The singing? The screaming? Um, how melodic it is. Like everything just kind of, you know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just. So, I'm not so gonna lie. Yeah. I had that CD. Yeah. I had a band back then, and we covered one step closer. Yeah. They're all so good. It's still, it's still, some songs still stand up to the test yeah. of time. I did, I did a recently. I went back and listened to all my new metal yeah. phase CDs that I really enjoyed, and um, some of them stand up still. You know, that first Slipknot, uh, the first Corn, Limp Bizkit fails. I'm not, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, don't tell Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Jeffrey. Jeffrey's still like. Still sounds check sometimes with Limp Bizkit. <laughs> and the one that I, I still stand by that to this day is still great, Antichrist Superstar. Yep. By Marilyn Manson. Manson. Absolutely. absolutely yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you, you get the name, yep. the guys say, do you want to be our singer? Yep. You had never done vocals before. Nope. We had the first song. It was Orphan. Um, I didn't even know what to write about. So the lyrics were just the, like Bloodborne, a video game, very HP Lovecraft. Like you think it's going to be Victorian werewolves and then all of a sudden HP Lovecraft, you know, fucking disgusting, unspeakable horrors. Um, so that was, we wrote the, I wrote the lyrics. Um, I went in to record with my buddy, Scott McGinnis. He, um, he records bands, but mostly like gent kind of bands. Um, and I just remember it took, I had to buy a six pack of beer and it took me three hours to record one, a one minute song because I was so nervous. Really? Yeah. But, but where did you like even find the voice? Oh, um, it's just kind of screaming along to, you know, death metal bands like Nocturnal by the Black Dahlia Murder. I love the Black Dahlia Murder. Um, that album, Miasma. I would just put them on. I know all the words. I've seen them. You know. And you would just say, like, in your car. I know a lot of people yeah. do it in their car. That's how they yeah. discovered yeah. their death metal voices. Yeah. Just following along to CDs that they enjoy. Yeah, just trying to emulate the sound. That's really. right. That's right. If you had to pick your top three vocalists, who would they be? Oh, man. Uh, well, definitely Trevor, because if it weren't for Trevor, I would probably not be here just singing, I guess, screaming. Um... He's cool. Well, someone really heavy, like a Corpse Granger, again, very typical answer, but wild card. Jake Superchi, I think that's how you say his last name. He's the um, lead vocal guitars in WADA, this um, black metal band from Washington. And he, I mean, on the recordings, you, you kind of get a sense of what it's like but when you see them live he 
goes from the most like deepest guttural to like the shrill howl of a wolf and then like a quick switch he does weird like kind of even sounds like mongolian throat singing too so he's really versatile and it kind of just like from a black metal band going in they're all wearing hoods you, that's not what I expected, basically, and I don't know, it's kind of blew me away. I've been still trying to do that, em, emulate that, the howling. Can't do it. Very difficult. It's so three hours, one-minute song, six-pack of beer. Yep. What beer was that? It's probably delicious. Uh, the Delicious IPA by Stone. Okay. Yeah. 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 Really smooth. Are, are you a craft beer enthusiast? You, you are from Chicago, and in yeah. my opinion, you know, Chicago, Denver, San Diego are probably the top precursors of the craft beer scene in the states yeah i mean um no one in my family really drinks beer i'm the only one that drinks in my family so like it's not like i could even have a have a beer with my dad or anything like that because he doesn't drink so i've all, always had to kind of discover my own way like i've had the weird ones that have the like the ralph ralph steadman art on them it's like a I don't even know what they're called. One of them is like a, a double bitch IPA or something <laughs> like that. They got the weird names. They got Ralph Steadman on them. And so I'll just, you know. Do you go just go into the liquor store and be inspired by labels? Yep. Very Basically like, a, like a, the, the, the same approach you had to buying that Lincoln Park CD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a visual guy. So <laughs> if it kind of draws my eye, I'm probably just going to buy it just to give it a Do chance. you remember the first craft beer you had? Um, probably Arrogant Bastard. Simply just because of the name. And the, the label again, it's black, red. It's still it a good beer. I, had, I actually had my first one the other day in uh, in Copenhagen. Oh, really? When we went to the after bar party there. Yeah, yeah. it was good. I Shout mean, out to the people in Copenhagen. You guys are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Copenhagen yeah. was awesome. But I've kind of been alone on this journey. I don't really have craft beer enthusiast friends. So it's really just on the weekend, I'll pick up a six pack, you know, make my own. You're just going to hang out with Mike Moore. Yeah, I do have to hang yeah. out with Mike Moore. Mikey, Mikey, Broken Hope drummer, yeah, Rocks and Hops alumni. <laughs> what about like if you could pick? This is your second tour. Do you feel you guys have done tours in the states? Uh, we play mostly like one-offs with other bands. Um, so Andrew, he's the newest addition to the band. Nos for Andrew. Nos for Andrew. Yeah, Andrew and Ben. They're both from Minneapolis, so the Minneapolis scene there is pretty big. Um, ben is in like five bands because he's a drummer. He's a drummer. Drummers yeah. tend to be. Yeah. So uh, let's <laughs> reference Mikey again. Yeah. So <laughs> he's he's always just like in the band chat, just hey guys, you know this band wants to do a show. Are you guys interested? Or? Do you feel I get asked this question all the time, and I know my answer. I want to know your answer. Do you feel a difference between the U.S. crowds versus the European crowds? Yep. Uh, U.S. are a little less afraid to move around. Because I feel like um, in Europe, they definitely, I think especially since we're the new band, a lot of people haven't heard of us. They're very apprehensive. They wait until the end, you know, a break between songs, and then they'll cheer. And it's like a, a legitimate, nice, cool cheer. But then in between what we're playing, they're just watching us, I guess. Like, it's not something they've seen before. Whereas, like, for you guys and Ingested, I mean, you guys have been around. So... They, they know the songs. They do go a little more crazy. Whereas in America, even if they don't know the song, they're there to party and they, yeah. they're, they're there to pit. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a strange time on stage last night. We were in Hamburg 
at uh, Bambi Galore. Shout out to the local staff. You guys are great. Uh, we played like Graves of the Father, which is like one of the biggest crowd interaction things that goes on during our set. They call circle pits and there's nothing happening. Yeah. And then we play our news track, Fear His Displeasure, afterwards, and we totally fucked up. There was like a huge crypto. Like we were lost for like a good six seconds. We were not all together for noticeably enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And then right after that, a pit broke out. I was like, <laughs> this makes no sense what's yeah. happening right now. What would be your your ultimate tour horror story? It was pre pre tour, so um, yeah. Basically, what happened was well, there's some context. So Ben had to join the band when we were going on tour because I didn't want to just be that weird band with a laptop on stage. So we didn't. Is, have that, a is that what it was initially? Yeah. yeah was I mean, Ben on tour with you guys uh, with Cattle? Yeah. Yeah, he Kay. was. So this is pre Cattle tour. Yep. Got like it. right before. Um, we were going to practice and Jeremy just let me know, hey, by the way, this band dropped off and I pitched you guys to Travis and Travis said, sure, like they can open. So Travis, Fox yeah. House alumni. Shout out to Travis. My boy. Can't wait for that new kettle. Yeah. It's going to be sick. So he basically gave the green light and I said, oh, fuck. I'd never played a show before like like that. It took you three hours to track one, one minute song. Yep, a one minute song. I'd never played a show and then all of a sudden we're going to Europe with no drummer. So I was like, yeah, fuck that. We need to find a drummer. And Jeffrey reached out to Ben since um, Jeff went to school in Minnesota and Minneapolis. So he's also very well connected there. Um, he asked Ben. Ben said, yep. We practiced a ton. Uh, we opened for Broken Hope for their CD release. Um, it was in L.A. It was like right before the cattle tour. And well, that was, how nervous were you for that? Terrified. Uh, I guess people from... Um, from Metal Blade were there and that was did not help <laughs> no nerves. you were more nervous yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, I'm like broke, broken up some Metal Blade no no okay got it yeah. they're Century Media okay but uh, there were Metal Blade people there um, Burn Hope were on Metal Blade I think the Swamped maybe was on Metal Blade one of the earlier ones but it's a packed house I'm nervous as fuck Drinking like shots to before just, the show. Yeah, I'm like, all right, just. Oh, I can't boom, do boom, that. Boom. I, I totally mess up. Oh man, I like pull cold water on my face. I'm pacing. Uh, we were, we threw in a cover of uh, Hit Me Baby one more time. Uh, no, I don't even remember the cover. Honestly, I like I'm trying to like repress the the memory. Was it that bad? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So, and the guy Matt from the band was there, and they told me this before going. Right on stage. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, so by I the way, up. Matt's here. Yes. You're going to... So I go up Cover his band right in front of him. Yeah. Your first show ever. Sold out L.A. show. No, it was Repulsion. It wasn't Terrorizer. It was Repulsion. So I go on stage. We're playing, you know, our songs. Everything's going fine. You know, nobody knows who we are, and they're just looking at us like, who the fuck are these guys? And then the cover starts, and everyone's like, yeah, all right. We know this one. And I fucking forget the words. Ah. And I just stood stiff on stage. Yeah. Tyler's looking at me like, fucking do something. And I just shrugged. Like, hey, the jig is up, dude. (laughs) I fucked up. As soon as it was over, I I just said, oh, that was weird. And we just went on with the set. I got off stage, and I was just like, fuck, so embarrassed. Um, Matt came up to me after and was like, dude, that was a sick performance. You were just like... And that was it. And then the kind of, you know, it's always worse for us than it is for what it actually is. Yeah. I mean, I also had like 
fucking Too paranoia about no <laughs> not enough i think um paranoia about like little things like what if the mic cuts out or something and that did happen to me and i just picked up the cord plugged it back in no that's deal. it yeah. yeah you told me that the other day it just yeah. fell out the one time that you didn't say yes let's tape the mic yeah it falls out someone <laughs> offered to tape it and you said no and yeah. it fell out right yeah because like i don't tape today, the mic. today. I, I normally don't ask for a spare mic on the floor but if anyone ever asks me do you want one i always say yes yeah. because if i say no at that situation and then my mic craps out i'm like bah, i could have had another one yeah yeah it's like a the, the, the world giving you signs you know it's like insurance and blackjack <laughs> everyone says no nah, i don't need it but you i have know. i have heard of that you're you you studied blackjack before going to to las vegas let's talk yeah. a little bit about that <laughs> um yeah i mean because you went to psycho yeah psycho fest psycho psycho las vegas yeah yeah now let's talk about your, your how, how you you mentally approached playing blackjack yeah so um everyone's always saying like you can go and make money gambling which I think is not true. Eventually, you will lose money. You might make money for a little bit, but then you start losing money. You got to step out at the right point. Yep, exactly. You it's like metal bands. You got to stop at the top. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I also play a ton of video games, and I'm always just like, whether you know, playing solitaire or whatever the fuck at home, um, but like a poker mini game. So I was like, okay, well, blackjack. I know how it works, kind of. And so I just there's literally a chart. Like you can just Google it, and it'll tell you. Like, if you get uh, 16 and it's, you know, two eights, you should, you know, stand or hit or You memorized all that. No. I basically just was, like, looking at it for a few hours, and then I realized, okay, you know what? If I hit, if I get a 16, I'll stay. Basically, less than 16, I'll hit and just stuck with that. But, uh, yeah, no, I made, like, it was some 400 bucks the first night. That's not too shabby. Yeah. And then I proceeded to lose it all on merch and stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you well, didn't lose it. it. You're not, no, I you spent, spent it. it. You, I support, you invested I used, it yeah. into the metal scene. Yeah, but I feel like if I weren't that drunk, because, you know, they just keep giving you drinks for free when you're yes. at the table. They're, they're just, not stupid. Yeah, they want Imperial they want judgment. You yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if I had been a little less drunk, I probably could have pocketed some some of that money but i blew it all on merch and you're a young boy you can always go back and, and yeah and conquer the blackjack tables once again yeah we actually my group of friends we all um try to all go to that like every year cool, i'd love to play it yeah yeah so we go we you know weed is legal there now so that's awesome whoop, whoop. yeah have a good time see these bands you know and you don't have to it's not that rigorous either because you stay at the hotel, and the f- the fest is at and the, the hotel. And the fest is at the hotel. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's like seventy thousand. Yeah, it's like seventy thousand, but on land. Yeah, we don't talk about seventy thousand though. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Dream tour, Glory Hole Guillotine. Who would be on that bill? Oh man, Glory Hole Guillotine, definitely like Napalm Death, Brujeria. One more. Dream tour. Right there, that'd be good already. Right? Napalm Death, Bruharia, yeah. Glory Hole would be great. Yeah. But, uh... Anal Cunt. Magruder Grind. Magruder Grind? Yeah. I don't know that. They're dope. I saw them in Florida. It was them, Napalm Death, and Cannibal Corpse. And they were as grind as it gets. I don't understand Grindcore. I, I can see it's how it's I don't fun. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I sort of... I don't want to be mean. I feel like you guys can't write songs. You write like two parts. Chunks. And then that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, kind of like those little fucking firecrackers just pop, pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Like how many songs do you play in your 30-minute sets? 20-something? 20 really? Five? Yeah. That's insane. We usually keep it to like a minute and a half. We have the new songs we have that we close out our set with. There, one is a minute and a half. One is three three minutes. Barely that's three that's minutes. way too long. That one. Yeah, that's already too long. And then you start with that intro, which is like quite like melodic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of definite like sparsity when it comes to sticking everything together. It's like you don't. But mostly Jeff writes all the songs, and I just put words to them. Um, now with Andrew, Andrew is like kind of definitely trying to get us more away from the just like hectic, more melody, uh, groovy, slammier. What does Glory Hole have coming up next? We are actually going to write a full length album. So. Which will be the first one. Yep. So we've only had two EPs. We How also many songs would be on a full Glory Hole guillotine album? Well, see, that's the thing. We're not going to count songs. We're going to go for uh, playtime, which should be like 30 minutes. Okay. 35 minutes. So it could be anywhere between like 20 to 25 songs. Yep. yep. That's, that's, that's hard vocally. I don't know, like lyrically. How do you, how do you write uh, so many song contexts, like uh, topics? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all just coming from a place of like disdain, I guess. <laughs> you know, very <laughs> what, what's your What's your, your, your main influence lyrically? Um, influence... I don't know. It's just like Pig Destroyer, you know, because it's, it's so fucking out there, just ah, screaming, and then you go back, and it's like you're reading a really sad poem or something, you know. Like it, there's no rhyming to it. There's no nothing. It's just the words there are there, and that's it. And he just presents it how he presents it. Tries to make it work. Tries to get a fucking rise out of you. It's kind of what I go about. Like lyrically, all I've because we've been at band for so such a short amount of time that I don't want to say it because it sounds kind of bad, but we've been just pumping them out, you know? So they've been just throw away the lyrics really of like, you know, beating someone to a pulp literally. And like, they're, they're now like a mass held, held in their skin. Like you break someone, but you don't crack the peel. Kind of, <laughs> you know, there's like shit like that. Or the one about... um Bloodborne, you know, murder, hating the planet, cops suck, basically. How, how do you explain all this to your family? Uh, I don't. Do they understand? <laughs> they don't. They wouldn't understand. No. Um. I mean, my parents—they're really supportive. I mean, I'm only 25, so they're still a huge part of my life, and they're just like my dad's kind of a hard ass, but uh, when they're like, dude, you were never. Like, you used to sing with a hairbrush. We never thought you'd, like, travel and actually do that. But it's it's cool that you're doing it, and my mom will not hear any of my songs. She, 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 like she nope. hasn't heard it? No. no, I played them for her. She was like, no, turn that off. It's just, it sounds like, I feel like you're hurting yourself when you're screaming like that. I was like, no. I mean, if I was hurting myself, I wouldn't have a voice anymore. We wouldn't be able to talk anymore, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's talk about that technique. How, how did you? Well, what 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 is your approach? What is your your thought process? Um, vocally. So I always want to be like caveman, deep, but 
I had the hardest time getting low, so I stuck to mostly just vocal fry. Um, you know, I watch technique videos of people online who Is do it, it. Did you do that? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. part of that gen- different generation than yeah. Men. So they're just like, dude, the diaphragm. You know, it's from here. It's not the throat. It's like more in your chest. So it's it's kind of hard to explain. But now that I've done it for so long, I kind of, I kind of, like, let's say I'm hungover or something, and it's harder for me to use my diaphragm. I'll feel it in my throat, and it's like, oh shit, I gotta get, you know. Get together, yeah, yeah. Wrap it up, or, or or you. Well, what I've been like uh, thinking a lot of on this tour while I'm on stage is, it's all air. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. for some reason that 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 phrase has really been helping me on stage. Yeah, because they uh, we have a song. It's called Infected Asshole. It has yes. nothing to do with infected assholes. It's about Conan the Barbarian <laughs> crushing his enemies. Really? Yeah, we actually have that sample. The what is best in life, Conan. <laughs> oh, to crush your enemies, you know, all that shit. Infected asshole. Yeah, and that last part is just like so rough. Like I have to fucking take a break before I have some water real quick before I go, we go into that part. And like every time it's a struggle. I'm like drooling, frothing at the mouth. There, the there's, there's no shame to taking a sip of water. Yeah, but on stage, I, I have to. Then it's yeah. kind of like I. When we wrote the song, I was like, oh, man, this is fucking sick. And I had, like, all these extra words I was going to put in there. But I was like, holy fuck, if I'm going to do that last part the way I'm doing it, I can't have words before it really. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so I, I take that time to, you know, it's a calculated move. Hydrate and yeah, make hydrate. yourself good. Well, Carlos, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, um, I'm stoked that you're on this tour with us. I'm glad to have met you. You, all of your band are just the nicest dudes. And uh, when you step on a tour bus, you never know who's going to be there with you. So, so I feel lucky, and I hope my streak continues because I have only toured with the best people in the world, and I make lifelong friends. And you are now a part of that, and you're also a part of the Vox and Hops alumni. So, and that's I'm thank so you so honored. much for being I am here. So honored, thank you. Cheers, for brother. Me. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Carlos is such a funny dude. Uh, We had many, many, many late night fun times on that tour bus on the glory hole guillotine, ingested cryptopsy, night rage, demonical, and insight tour back in May. Carlos was a true warrior. He often was one of the last people to go to bed. And uh, he was fun. So uh, I had a few chuckles re-listening to the conversation as I was editing it. Uh, Carlos, you're a great dude. Thank you so much for being a part of the Vox and Hops podcast. And all you people out there should check out Glory Hole Guillotine if you enjoy grindcore and extremely brutal lyrics and uh, quick songs, as I mentioned in the interview. As always, if you guys have any questions, recommendations, suggestions, if you are a brewer and you would like me to uh, review some of your beers, as I have started to do, you should hit me up at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And uh, I'm always super excited and um, humbled to read any mail that I get from Vox and Hopsheads. So uh, please, please do that. I hope you have a great weekend and remember to enjoy life. Metal and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, 
host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.